How these were going to begin when when, you, when you're in the, in the same room. Embarrassingly, leaving my mic check on the track. Oh man, I'm okay with that. Uh. So, hello, Internet dwellers, and welcome back to Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library. Uh, we have returned yet again for our 28th movie, guys, guys, guys. We are halfway through the list. We are as of the time of this recording. We're, we're halfway through. We've done it. It's insane. We could just stop right here, right? No, no, we got to go distance, man. <laughs> we I'm, gotta, a, I'm a completist. Well, we know. We haven't done Hercules yet. We can't go the distance. Good point. Good Aha! Point. Well, well, I know my Michael Bolton songs. Well played. I'm Jeff. There's TC. Hi. He's sitting across the room from me again. <laughs> Our third, third, second week in a row. Yeah. Second week in a the, row. The here. third time we've recorded third, live together. Exactly. And boy, this is just—it's throwing me for a loop, TC. I, I just—I don't know what to do. Now when I'm not here again, and we go back to having <laughs> a delay. I don't know. We got a couple. We got some good feedback on our goofiness last, last week. <laughs> I did get a couple tweets saying like, "Hey." This was a particularly fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when we're not a, you know, clear across the country or yeah, yeah. clear across the state yeah. or not in the same room. Instead, we're, we're here. We're here. We're here yeah. together and we're staring each other down and intensely. We're, we're heading to the land down under. And we headed down to the land down under. Yeah. Where, um, where, where, where? This has been the plunder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did we watch today? We watched <laughs> the Men in Work music video for mm-hmm. Land Down Under. No. It is one of the most literal <laughs> music videos you will ever see. <laughs> he hands them a Vegemite sandwich. It's like they didn't know what to do with this music video, and the <laughs> studio told them make us make a music video. That being said, Men at Work. No, we. Great band. Colin Hay, great acoustic singer songwriter. He's a fantastic acoustic singer. What do we watch? Him. Whoa, that's right. We figured this week we'll just let you guys read the title. Mm-hmm. No, we watched the 1990 Disney sequel, the the the, the first official Disney sequel, yep. Yep. The Rescuers Down Under. Rescuers Down Under. And um, it's it's. I it's yeah it it was fascinating yeah yeah w- one Australian character in the whole thing I know right two I guess mom had an Australian accent and <laughs> for the thirty seconds you you heard yeah, her and Jake the whatever kind of mouse he was <laughs> oh, that's true that's true yeah it's it feels okay so so I'm just gonna say this right off the bat the movie didn't particularly feel Australian to me yeah it uh, felt like it could have taken place really anywhere the american southwest even <laughs> yeah it could have easily been oh no because then they would have had to be battling five goes west and oh, we don't want to deal, deal with that movie you sequel don't, you don't you don't that's the non-disney movies um but like it, it that was the one that was the my one my one major critique with it was that the whole like australian like down under aspect of it mm-hmm. was not really played up much that much at the same time it was a subtle i mean the landscape the, oh, yeah. the creatures that he was that cody was dealing with the little boy in the movie cody mm-hmm. uh were 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 very they were quite australian but it wasn't hammering you over the head australian so right. maybe you're just more used to the i'm just used to crocodile dundee Croc- crocodile dundee basically is what or i'm another used shrimp to. on the bobby eh? <laughs> which i won't <laughs> lie the entire time i'm watching that movie 
I or this sorry not Crocodile Dundee this movie this Rescuers movie. Down Under yeah. all I kept thinking about was why did they not get Paul Hogan to do the Australian mouse character Jake uh, like Jake, Jake why why wasn't he <laughs> the, like it's the too obvious of choice although to be fair I was curious why Cody the main character didn't have an Australian accent yeah he's just a blonde haired blue eyed American just boy American boy living in the middle like in a tiny little shack in the middle of nowhere yeah very well dressed yes well I mean. T-shirt, khakis, very yeah. not not a, not a nick or bruise on anywhere on him. Which is amazing considering the flipping aerobatic high dive <laughs> stunts that kid goes through. He yeah. ends up perfectly okay. So so Jeff, yes, have you see. seen this movie before? No, this is the first time. I I I if I this is one of those movies that if I'd seen it, I have absolutely no memory of actually okay, ever so seeing it. So this is a brand new experience mm-hmm. for you. So, what's this movie about? Ah, no. <laughs> All right, so basically this movie is about uh, a boy who saves a giant bird. You were virgin on Christopher Walken there. I was. Movie. <laughs> it was a movie. It, it was, was about, about a bird, a giant bird, a boy, <laughs> and a bad man who just wanted the bird for him, his collection, which is weird because that collection is like just a room of exotic animals. He must sell them. He must, but, right? But the thing is, he talked about catching uh, uh, Marahute, the the golden eagle, right. and ma- being filthy rich. But he already said he killed the dad. So where'd that money go? Where'd that money go? He yeah, he, he blew that money right off the bat. Well, here's the other thing that I want to just nitpick: that room full of animals. By the way, mm-hmm. we never see them again. They they're all in that room together. They're trying to break out. Mm-hmm. It's an entire set piece of the movie. Yeah, and then the boy just gets taken out. We never go back. And we never go back to that room. Well, we can we can make assumptions. Either they went back and freed them, or Frank picked the lock again. <laughs> and eventually let him out by climbing on a piece of wood. So you got a boy, you got an eagle, you got a poacher. And basically the poacher wants the giant eagle for himself. Mm-hmm. And the boy knows where the giant eagle is, but he won't tell him. So he kidnaps the boy, which ultimately sends the, the, the radio message through the, through the airwaves, which was a... Fun and fantastic sequence. I loved that sequence. Yep, traveling by map from Australia to New York. I loved that. Uh, I legitimately did love that sequence. That was a fantastic sequence. I like the little Hawaiian mice with all the all the Hawaiian shirts on. Uh, I love that one mouse that was just stuck somewhere. Where I don't even remember what was what was the random islands in the middle of the sea. That was just it was like he just lived in a abandoned plane, yeah, probably from yeah. the war, oh, and that's it. Maybe that's it was, his life. Maybe it was Amelia Earhart's plane. Ooh, I like that idea. Is that is that a theory? Are we are we in theories? I'm putting it out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It would have been great if there was like a little picture of like just yeah Amelia. Uh, No, so they 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 send for the rescuers. So we rescue aid society. Yep, we get we get uh, Bob Newhart and Ava Green back or Ava Green Ava 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 Gardner Ava Gabor back. (laughs) Goodness sakes, I cannot. It's a lot of Avas um, who come back and they get sent off. Uh, They. With the hate, with the help of Wilbur, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, what well, I can't remember the name of the bird, Orville. He's or- an albatross. Orville, his yeah, albatross. That's yeah, what it yeah. was. Yep. So it's Wilbur, which is Orville's brother mm-hmm. from the first film. Uh, they fly to Australia, where they get the help of Jake, mm-hmm. who is a mouse down there. 
part of, I'm assuming he's part of the rescue aid society. No, no. Or he's, he's just, just, he just manned the airport. He manned the airport, yeah. which is so weird. And then together, the three of them go off to try to find the boy. They do find the boy, and they help the boy escape. There you go. And this is a 77-minute movie. Yes. <laughs> and I think my description of the movie was longer than the movie itself. No, just right now. But it, you hit every beat. Though. I mean, that's the whole story. Right? It was, a, and it was a great movie. Like there, there. I, I, I will, I will kind of jump ahead a little bit here and just say that I thoroughly enjoyed. The film. I do want to ask you a question regarding. So we've seen the rescuers. We saw the first film, right. and like we, as we made a comment in the beginning, this is the first official Disney sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, which there's more information about the fact that because it didn't do so well in the box office, that's kind of the reason why a lot of the sequels are direct to video. Oh, interesting. That's, that's kind of the reason why. Also, there was supposed to be a third film. Oh, but I, uh, oh. Ava Gabor died before oh. they could make it, so they scrapped it. And any other sequels. Respectful not to yep. to recast her. I mean, she is Miss Bianca. Right. Like, she's so perfectly cast for that role. Yeah. Uh, but you were going to ask me. But I was going to ask you, so because we've seen the first film, so the first film came out in 77. This mm-hmm. one came out in 1990. There's a 13-year gap between it. As sequels go, does it does it work as a sequel in your opinion? Like, watching the movie, or do you watch it going, yeah, that was that was that that's what the sequel would have been. Where it's another adventure, it's another kid, it's another kidnapping. Mm-hmm. They go off again. There's more adventures, and we just keep going. Or yeah. did it did it fall? Did it fail somewhere for you? And not, did it not live up to its its original film? I I do think this is a a very good sequel because it it did everything that the first one did a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if McLeach is necessarily better than Madame Medusa because she was such a dynamic character, right? Very uh, Cruella Deville esque. But the the animation is stronger. the the cinema the how cinematic it is 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 better. The camera work in this oh man is really quite impressive. Yes. Mov- they were mo- they are moving cameras like a feature film. I made the note that this film f- doesn't necessarily feel like a Disney animated movie, right? But it does feel like a, a, a piece of cinema, like other romantic adventure movies you might get out of this era, like *Romancing the Stone* mm-hmm. or um, an Indiana Jones-esque adventure film. There's there's the romance angle of Bernard versus Miss Bianca. And this feels like the type of sequel, in a good way, this feels like the type of sequel that we've been getting recently. Mm-hmm. Because they keep doing sudden sequels how many decades after the fact? Like Blade Runner, how many decades after the fact? Right. Uh, um, uh, uh, Predator. Um, all these movies that that the, that Hollywood keeps going back to with not even soft reboots, just, hey, here's a sequel no one was asking for. Right. Here's a laundry list of those. Yep. This feels like like that, but welcome. It's a welcome sequel. I think that uh, this continues that those elements placed in that first one. And yeah, 20 years, how many, how many year gap? 17, or uh, 13 years. 13 years, okay. Yep. But still, that's a huge gap. I mean, oh, yeah, considering yeah. for the 80s when we had movies, even, I mean, I guess Terminator was eight years but like you had aliens that you had alien aliens alien three that was all in the eighties into the early nineties. I think alien three was actually ninety one, eh, whatever. Yeah. But you had them like they're all very close to each other. You had all three Back to the Future films, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, all these movies Much that closer. like two yeah. three years later, boom, that's the next sequel. And you didn't wait thirteen years for a sequel to a movie. It, it is interesting that this is the one they gave the big screen treatment to. But Rescuers was a success, so mm-hmm. it's it, it's not entirely surprising that they would take this chance. It also doesn't surprise me that after this, they were they realized, 
Yeah, we're not going to pump all that into sequels when we can give them straight to video or give them to a different animation company. Right. Which is where things like Return to Neverland, Jungle Book 2, those are theatrically released. That's a, that's a hard word. Theatrically released <laughs> feature animated films, but they are not animated by the Disney Animation Studios. Those are animated by one of the other Disney animation like, studios because they have multiple. They have Touchstone. They have uh, 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 what was um, uh, James and Giant Peach and okay, uh, yeah, that yep. might also be Touchstone. Come to think of it, but they have other animation farms essentially. Right. So to give this one the big screen treatment, it's it it's a little surprising that this is the one they did it to. But at the same time, it feels I, I felt okay with it. How about you? I mean, you've never seen this before, so I um I might say something. I don't I don't know because I don't know the 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 love of the original one mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And while I enjoyed the original one, I actually like this one better. I agree. Yes, I think yeah. I, I just I enjoyed this one better. Now again, I don't know if this is me looking through my nostalgia glasses because I look at this movie and I can see a lot of those elements that I remember from what I think of as a Disney movie. Like, yeah, you know, McLeish, while he's not the strongest villain and he's very just kind of two-dimensional in the sense that, yep, he just wants to... He's a bad guy for being a bad guy's sake. He just wants the, the giant bird. That's it. Boom. That's It's a very simple he's a poacher. plot. He's a poacher. <laughs> that's that, He's a villain. That's why he's a bad guy. Even though he's not a very overly complicated character, he reminds me of like just the way he looks, the, how he talks, what his, his, his mentality. He reminds me of classic Disney villains. Mm-hmm. And yep, I'm okay with that. I, and I agree with you and what you were saying about the, the camera work. I know I made a I made a note about it, especially like oh man that opening sequence <laughs> is just like trucking oh. it over the over the and the flight sequences too. Oh yeah. man, they're fan that whole thing. It's beautiful looking. The all the animation is beautiful. Even very classic Disney esque, which we've seen this before in even movies back in the sixties and the seventies mm-hmm. with their films, where that opening sequence of it being like a push in through. Like through bushes and leaves and 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 and, and sticks and stuff like yeah, that. And they, do the pain, see, they use the pain system to yep. create that f- the focus change. Yeah, yeah. Like like that. Just it felt very classic Disney, but it also felt very modern Disney. I just I lo- it was gorgeous how it looked and how well they did it. Now yeah. this is the first hundred percent digital movie. Oh, okay. so they drew all the the the, the drawing is done by hand, mm-hmm. but everything was scanned into a computer and uh, was done digitally. Well, I I made a note that the. This, uh, there's a lot to say coming off of Little Mermaid, but just specifically for this, the the hand-drawn animation, which was transferred digitally, looks really, really good. Yeah, it looks solid. But the straight-up CG of, like, the city and the cars, not not so so much. But then on the other hand, McLeach's tank thing yeah. looked great. That looked great. And yeah. any, like I, I made a note that any little thing, anything like any props that were CG, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the the little like forklift that the doctor uses while they're working on Wilbur is CG. And you can kind of tell it's CG just from how it's moving, but not in a bad way. That looked great. Like it, it looked I completely believe I bought it. I, yeah. I was I was yeah. in on it. But yeah, the the flying in shot to the Sydney Opera House mm-hmm. and it like flew in and you got close to it and it's I'm like, like PlayStation oh, One. <laughs> what's going on, guys? Like I know this is nineteen ninety. I know it's before But it's it's that, amazing but New York looked because they did it CG, mm-hmm. looked worse than the original Rescuers, which was all the hand matte paintings, right. the hand drawn. So it was just 
And it was weird because they mixed it up because that like back in that Sydney shot, mm-hmm. flying into the Sydney Opera House, it's CG. But then they cut to a reverse wide, and yeah. it's all a, it's all a hand drawn static image. The of hand drawn stuff looks really good. Yeah, They're, they it does not it doesn't necessarily have like the over characteristics of the like the overly characteristic uh, animated look that we've seen some even from like Madame Medusa. But there's still a, a really nice quality to the animation itself. It's mm-hmm. Oddly, even though it's about mice, this feels more like a grounded film than the the outrageous or the the over the top Disney that we even saw with Little Mermaid. Right. I mean, this isn't a musical, so that's going to change things. Right. Uh, in fact, I I missed the music. It's Th- that little, was my note too. It's a little unfair because we should just focus on this movie on its own merits, mm. as opposed to the fact that we saw this incredible <laughs> Little Mermaid last week, and this it doesn't fall short in a bad way, but mm. coming off. Of Little Mermaid, knowing we have Beauty and the Beast next week, right? It's weird that this it stands out because it's not a musical. It, it's it's definitely, and I I made a comment at the end of last week's episode or near the end of it that I, I I wanted to discuss this. I wanted to see if there was any influence with this movie that they had tried cramming at the last second because of how well Little Mermaid did. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Not because the stuff that's in this movie that's great was obviously stuff that they had been working on that whole time. Yeah. But you can definitely see that there was a there was there was a system where they were like, okay, look, we're working on Little Mermaid, we're working on Rescuers Down Under, we're working on Beauty and the Beast because you know they were working on them all simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they're coming out once a year. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so you know they're they're doing other, so they're like we got all these going. Well, this one's a musical, this one's not. That one's another musical. Maybe that'll work, or maybe they had like early inklings because a Little Mermaid was getting. Good reviews. It's like okay, no, no, no. We we need to make sure this one's got music. It's too late for the rescuers. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure this one does. And but it, it was. It looks obviously like they were just they're trying stuff. They're like, let's see if this one works with music. This one doesn't. Mm-hmm. We'll see how the box office comes back. The one music didn't work so well. Okay, maybe we just scrap the music from the future ones. We just go back to traditional stuff or or whatever. Yeah. And unfortunately, this it was Little Mermaid was hugely successful, and, there, and it was too late to try to write song. I will guarantee. Yeah, I don't I don't think this would even have benefited from being a musical. Right. Well, the, and the Rescuers was not a musical. No, it just had the Carpenters want to be sung yeah. at the beginning, and that was it. Which would have felt weird, I think, had there been music in. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I could picture the boy having a song, maybe singing to the bird, singing to the bird in the beginning. The animals, probably, but, yeah, probably but, singing when he's caged. McLeach having a villain song about the fact that he's a poacher, <laughs> yeah. which would be kind of fun. In okay, all you know what? You're selling me. You're selling me on this music. <laughs> That being said, the orchestration in this is is uh, a character it's, itself. Yes. The, whoever composed this, you actually looked it up when we were watching it's it. It's Bruce Boughton. Or Bruce, uh, sorry, Bruce, Bruce, I think it's Bruce Broughton. Broughton, okay. um, Who I know from a lot of movies. He did the Monster Squad yeah. and a bunch of stuff <laughs> I, I liked growing up as a child. This has a, a really good score to it. That it, it, it really enhances the experience of the film. Mm-hmm. Continuing that, as I've been saying, this has a very... Uh, standard movie quality to it the the orchestration helps move the pace along uh the well the pace itself it doesn't this does not have the urgency that little mermaid has no and that is due in part to not having the music i think the music really drives a story especially contextual music right uh but again i kind of swing it back and forth that's not I'm not bashing this movie for its lack of music no i'm just pointing out just how different it is from Little Mermaid, and you know, it's, we've had ten. We're on movie number nine here, so I should yes. even consider the fact that the other movies on this list, like uh, 
to look at Great Mouse Detective to this, to look at Oliver and Company to this, mm-hmm. once again, just like Little Mermaid, you would think there was a decade between these things. Oh, yeah. Not just, what, four or five years between them, yeah, basically? Like, Oliver and Company stands out more and more for its shortcomings when you see what works so darn well with something like uh, Rescuers Down Under here. Because it's it's a cleaner film. I, I don't know what version. We did not watch any Blu-ray or any sort of... We did not watch any enhanced release because mm-hmm. it had the blue and white Disney logo at right. the front, which they replace for the Blu-ray. So we watched the original release of this film, right. release, home release of this film. I, I believe I, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it it was a it was a high def copy of it, but I don't know if it was necessarily a Blu-ray okay. copy. You were noticing some edge. edge there edge was lines. so it was weird while watching the movie. I kept noticing, and this is just this is my technical side because this is what I do. I'm an editor during the daytime, so <laughs> I, I look for silly, goofy mistakes like this a lot of times. But when, the one thing I noticed was that on the edges, there was a couple different times where um, like foreground elements would disappear hmm. before they... Like, like okay, there's, there's the scene when... Um, uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm spacing on the characters' names. Again, I'm terrible at names. Just name what they look Bob like. Bob Newhart's character. Bernard. Bernard <laughs> is riding on the back of the snake. When they're they're heading off through the swamp, uh, the swampy area, and there are like reeds, like plant reeds, like passing in front of him in the foreground. Mm-hmm. On two occasions, two of them as they passed, they they've glitched off the camera, off the frame huh. before they reached the edge of the frame. Huh. They just disappeared for like the last two frames. But then the ones after that stayed on the whole time. It was, it was a weird little hiccup I noticed, and I don't know. See, if it was a, an enhanced version, they probably would have fixed They would have fixed that. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that's weird about it. And it, it happened like two or three times. It yeah. didn't happen a lot. But it was it was enough that I started noticing it after a while. It's almost like it's almost like it was supposed to be formatted for full frame. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, just didn't realize <laughs> what, yeah, what happened. Um, so let's, let's actually discuss, discuss the characters. Mm-hmm. So first up, Ava, uh, Miss Bianca. Yep. Lovely as ever. I, it's such an interesting... I, I don't know how much we... I don't recall how much we talked about it when we watched The Rescuers, but Ava Gabor is so perfectly cast for this. Yeah. She, uh, Miss Bianca is such a, a, a classy dame. Yep. <laughs> like she's oh, just, yeah. She's she's a pleasure to watch. Very warm and caring. There's there's definitely like a motherly sense to her, but there's also this slightly aloof aristocrat type vibe that I get from her just from her tone her tone of her voice yeah. and it's just her accent it's just their <laughs> Hungarian accent but she's she's very sweet I, I do well, how do you feel this I liked the Bernard trying to propose to her oh, yeah. subplot of this uh, it gives it that romantic adventure feel that right. this movie feels like it's more a part of right um, and I really enjoyed Bernard's arc in this because he he's, feels so emasculated by Jake, and he, he's so nervous, and he's just trying to propose to her, and uh, he he sets all his insecurities aside when, when the chips are down. Right. When Cody goes in that water, Bernard doesn't even sink. Right. Think. He just he sinks, he goes, but he doesn't even think. He, he does dives sink. in. He just dives <laughs> in full. He, he's a man of action, and he's an unlikely man of action, right? Jake seems like the character who, he's got his lasso, he's doing all the rope tricks, and yeah, he's a cool action hero, but Bernard is this... this eh, this dopey dude who is very nebbish and nervous and 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 would much would just much rather be at home yeah, probably not doing anything he rises to the occasion every time and i don't know there's there's something special in in that uh for me that he 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 
is a, a really neat character in that respect. That right. He's not the obvious hero, but he's very heroic. And he is he has grown a little bit since the last time we've seen him in in the last film, but at the same time he is still very much so his character. He's still he's still Bernard nervous and nervous I, I, and I, I just, oh, hold, hold on hold on a minute. I, 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 <laughs> uh, Miss Bianca. <laughs> and actually, it was weird. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, and yeah, he's, and it, it's nice to see. Unfortunately, Miss Bianca does still feel like the exact same character. I guess that if there's any negative connotations, well, like she, well, she hasn't really changed, but she wasn't a character that felt like she needed to change. Mm-hmm. She's you know? very, you could interpret that she's very secure in who she is, yep. and she makes the decisions she's going to make no different than she did before. Bernard has grown as a character, and he grows over the course of this film in the seventy minutes we see him. Or right. Like, the seventy minutes this movie exists. Yeah, because once he grabs like once once he learns from Jake about the whole, you just have to look like, him in the, look eye, him in the eye and tell him. And then when he does it to the the warthog, which I still say was Pumbaa, <laughs> I like to think that it was Pumbaa, guys. I know Lion King takes place in Africa. Whatever, we Pumbaa got on a boat. Ran, we don't know where he ran out. <laughs> it's to. true. He probably got on a boat and ended up elsewhere. Well, when he was a young warthog. <laughs> okay. Well, they he did he did he did fart, and everybody told him to leave the kingdom. Yeah, so he left Australia, moved to Africa, and met Timon. Makes perfect sense. Hey, the dogs from the Lady and the Tramp cross the sea. <laughs> why can't for 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 uh, Oliver and Company? So why can't Pumbaa cross the sea for the Lion King? Why not? I think this is our own shared universe. <laughs> Disney theory for the week. There, there you go, go there guys. You. And <laughs> now, though I am complimenting Bernard's adventure here, and I'm complimenting a- uh, Ava's performance in Miss Bianca, mm-hmm. there is something noticeable about this film, and it, didn't, it struck me as we were watching it. Is it the fact that the rescuers are barely in it? No, okay, well, I, there is that. There is that. That's what I've noticed from this I, movie. I'm looking a little little below the surface here. Okay. This movie is, a, is slightly more, it's not sexist, but it's a slightly slightly more masculine film than the first one was. Okay. You have the love triangle, like the two men trying to, to win over Miss Bianca the prize. She's she's beautiful at first sight. Uh, she's... She's still proactive, but Bernard takes the front seat in this one, whereas she took the front seat in the other one. And you could take that as a nice nice uh, uh, juxtaposition or parallel from the first one. Right. But you could also look at that that this they they, they manned it up a little bit. Even even the fact that the villain is a man, the the protagonist in Cody is a boy, right. as opposed to Medusa and Penny in the first one. And it's just something that struck me that this Whereas Miss Bianca was really empowering in the first one, Madame Medusa being the villain, and we even praised Penny for being a great little heroine yeah. in Rescuers, this one feels more like a boy's movie. Right. And even going so far as the first one definitely passes the Bechdel test. Do you know the Bechdel test? Mm-hmm. This one does not. <laughs> so those those who might be listening, this is a little this is a little movie test that's that was created in the past couple decades. Uh, it's called the Bechdel test, and the Bechdel test is in a feature film, or in, this can work for television as well, mm-hmm. but in a feature film in particular, does a do, do two named female characters have a conversation with each other, not about a man, anywhere in the film? Right. And with with that test, you would be shocked. <laughs> what how few films actually pass that test, <laughs> and it's a, it's an interesting challenge to to offer writers and it's an interesting um, social commentary mm-hmm. on the fact of how n- underrepresented females can be even in even in, in films that are are more of a larger female cast how it's it 
it can be surprising that it's like, oh, you had five females in this movie and not once did any of them talk to each other right. about anything but the main dude in this movie. <laughs> so it, that's super minor because I having a little little boy as your main character as opposed to a little girl, uh, having McLeach be a poacher as a man makes mm-hmm. more, relatively makes more sense than a poaching female. Uh, so whether that was an inherent sexism or just a, a product of it, right. it's just something that struck me. Um, as interesting, I hadn't um, even it didn't, it didn't even dawn on me like that the fact that it was the opposite is basically was the opposite setup from the last film. Yeah, and I guess yeah, I, like you said, I could I could look at it as well. No, the last one we did it, it was it was it was a girl and it was a female. It's a female villain. We don't want to do the female villains because really, if you think about it, so like Ursula was the villain mm-hmm. in The Little Mermaid. Yeah, but then the next series of them, I mean, even like Oliver and Company, it was a, it was men as the bad guys. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast, it's men. Aladdin, it's men. Mm-hmm. Like we get, we they get back into this string where the guys are all vi- the villains, whereas the we win. had a there was a lot of female villains in the in the fifties and the sixties Disney yeah. movies because it was always there was always like you know the, the the evil queen or the evil witch. It was all these female villain, Cruella de Vil. Isn't that crazy? That like, is, to, if you think of it in terms of that, that we though the Renaissance can we can praise the Renaissance of, of this era that we've entered into mm-hmm. with Little Mermaid and going beyond. For its advancements in structure and animation and storytelling and the music and the characters, it is interesting how less represented women tend to be. They become more the prizes and less the protagonists right. in a fashion. Uh, to be determined, obviously, we're, we're going to go back and look at... I mean, off the top of my head right now, without thinking too far ahead, Jasmine is more proactive despite being the prize. Nala right. is far more proactive. Even uh, uh, Sarabi is more proactive as a female character. So, you know what? Forget everything I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, welcome back to the last five I minutes. What, so, what, what, Cody as a character. Cody as a character. <laughs> I liked Penny more. Yes. She was a cuter character. She... But at the same time, Cody is a rescuer himself. Right. This this movie starts with him rescuing a rescuing the the eagle. The eagle. And he has his little rescuers team. He has the there's a those three little wombats, the the kangaroo, the kangaroo. Who helped him. Yep. Uh, there's another creature. I'm forgetting. The 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 key thing that I that what I, so that actually you bring up the fact that yeah he is kind of a rescuer's rescuer does does make me kind of think because okay so my my one we're taking a quick side just a little sidebar here Mm -hmm. the one thing that i noticed about the film as i previously mentioned was the rescuers themselves miss bianca and bernard yeah don't show up for so long into the movie it's it's a good while before they show up at 10 10 maybe 15 minutes right which out of your movie that's out of a movie that's 107 or an hour and 17 minutes long for Mm -hmm. your Main characters, the characters that the title of the movie are technically <laughs> named after, don't show up for 15 minutes mm-hmm. until 15 minutes in. And then when they do show up, there's a lot of, I mean, the, the whole sequence of Cody trying to break out of the jail and all those other characters and the poacher, they're not in that sequence at all. And they they don't really do a ton of stuff mm-hmm. until the end. They kind of they kind of felt a little tacked on, a little tacked on yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah. You could argue that by Cody being a rescuer himself, the title of the movie being The Rescuers Down Under could actually be referring to Cody and his <laughs> group of people and Jake and all of them. Yeah. And it just happens to be that Miss Bianca and Bernard 
come into the story. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to look at the film that way to think that they are not. I mean, they're supporting characters to to Cody, right? Um, like that, the title referring to the rescuers down under aren't saying the rescuers from the first film down under, mm-hmm. but it's actually saying it's about the rescuers down under. It's the, the rescuers who live down who live in Australia. So they're they're almost a. Uh, special guest stars right. in the story. <laughs> right, right. And, and and nothing wrong, like, what again, the movie still worked. It, just, it wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, it, it suffered because it didn't. Granted, according to some of the reviews that people were, the, the critics were giving it when it came out, it did suffer for the fact that they were barely in the movie or seemingly not in the movie. It's what, I mean, I would assume people came to see them. Okay, right. the rescuers are back. Where the heck are they? Or people went in like, hey, Little Mermaid was great. This is going to be awesome. Where's the music, yep. Mom? I'm sorry. Where's the music, Mom? Nope, that was too young. What? <laughs> I was like, ah, my one, my one-year-old child just asked me a full-length question. Ah. Also, why do you not? This is your first words. Is where's yeah. the music, mom? Yeah. Next, you're gonna be saying is not the mama, not the mama, or where's the beef? I guess it could have been better. You're so... all you're all on the board here, Jeff. <laughs> George C. Scott. George C. Another, Scott. Another another legendary Hollywood vo- uh, actor voicing a Disney villain. Yep. Go from Vincent Price and. Uh, uh, there was someone else in the mix here that was like, oh, that's a classic person speaking right now. Right. <laughs> I'm spacing on... That uh, doesn't matter. But George C. Scott, he did a great job. Oh, I mean, he, he definitely, he did not phone that performance in oh. whatsoever. He gave it his full 100% because you could hear it in his delivery. Like he's, It actually, to me, kind of sounded like he was having fun with it. But not in the, ooh, I get to be a villain again. Or yeah. like, oh, I get to, like, we're just going to make this over the top. He, he gave I, it. I could see him doing the live action version of that character and he's evil yeah he was gonna kill the kid yeah he, he was, was gonna, gonna kill the kid kill cody like not sh- he wasn't gonna shoot him but he was definitely gonna let those alligators finish the job yep or crocodiles whatever yeah i had made that note too i didn't know i wrote down alligators and i went oh crap someone's gonna say they're crocodiles aren't they i don't remember what, i don't remember what they what the difference <laughs> wasn't is it gator something oh it was gator cove there you go so i will say so that they are alligators they're crocodiles they're crocodiles Allidiles. So not only is George C. Scott's vocal performance just really great here, Joanna, his sidekick, his uh, King Cobra. What is that? Um, uh, Gila Monster. Gila Monster. Yeah. Is she is so great? It's it. This is interesting. Voiced by Frank Weller. Really? That yes. was a vo- I didn't even realize there was a. Well, I guess there was because she's like. Yeah. Every time there's any kind of animal, it's always him. <laughs> he does animals. He does a boo. He does all of them. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. That's amazing. Same guy. It's just because he just he does animals so well. Well, oh, I loved Joanna her as a character. It was a. Gr- she's the, the, actually it's it's a toss up. I'm gonna give it to Joanna because she has some of the best physical gags in this whole movie. <laughs> the freaking egg the scene. Egg, I wrote that down. The egg. There's a there's a scene. If you guys did not rewatch this. There's one scene alone worth you getting on YouTube to watch. It's got to be on YouTube. I will find it and I'll post it. If it's yeah, so Jeff will post if I can it get below. It. If you're listening to this on ghosthat.net, it'll be in the. If it exists, we're gonna put it below. Yep, I'll put so it. So it's it's McLean McLeach is 
is trying to figure out how to manipulate Cody. I, was say, I wasn't even paying attention to what he was saying. I was just like, nope, I'm watching her. Keep and, going. And it's a single shot, wide shot of them, him at like a table, and he's trying to, and the whole time, Joanna just keeps stealing eggs from his lunchbox. And <laughs> like it's her, so well done. Like her eyes t- pop up on the right-hand side. The tail over on the left. Yep. <laughs> and then like all it is, like it, 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 it goes, all the eggs are just in a box, just the box that opens and shuts. <laughs> and that was her getting it. That is... Some solid gold comedy right there. Oh my goodness! Oh, actually, if you just Google re- or if you YouTube rescuers down under Joanna, the first four results are her stealing the eggs. There you so go. It, it's that is such an incredible gag. Like that is so it's perfectly timed. It's such a and it and it has a very vaudeville vaudevillian classic. Oh, it's quality and, to it. and it's so weird. It honestly, as much as I loved it, it feels incredibly out of place in this movie. Oh, no way. Because I'm like, why are we doing this gag? <laughs> I'm okay it, with it, but why are we doing this? It's It was a very clever exposition dump because they distracted you with the physical gags of what's going on, but George C. Scott works through everything. McLeach works through his entire plot in that scene. Right. And so... Instead of having an info dump driving or walking or going or talking to Cody and telling his whole master plan, this is very this is very smart from a storytelling perspective, but from a villain perspective that you don't get very often. McLeach doesn't tell Cody his plan. He works it all out right. by himself. And that could be a boring scene. So how do you distract from that? You have that whole egg gag show going on. <laughs> Which would be then for the adults are paying attention and actually understanding what his plan is yeah. and laughing at what's happening. But then the kids are just laughing at the goofy animal sidekick bouncing around and taking that the too, but That's what I was... Like I said, I have no idea what McLeach said. <laughs> you said he was working on his plan how to take... I, I have no idea what he said. The, the best part is that it's a nice cause and effect of storytelling that he gets... he can't satisfy his ideas like how is he going to do it and he gets mad at you and he's going to throw the I'm going to kill you I give you these eggs I give you these eggs and that's it it's the, the eggs, eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just a completely out of the blue gag mm-hmm. it does actually help further the uh, further the plot along yeah, nicely it's a really really well done <sighs> it's I, and I did find it I will post it actually the the one clip I found on YouTube has like about a minute or so leading up to it, just mm-hmm. to explain what the eggs were cause, yeah. and all that fun stuff. Gives so you some context. Gives you yeah. some context in case so, you didn't watch it. Yeah, so if you didn't watch it, it, it's there. But as much as Joanna was animated with some of the best physical games, like there's a point where she goes to eat the the egg and it's a rock, yep. and her tooth just falls <laughs> out. She scrapes it with yep. her with her nails, and then as she scrapes it, all of her nails are popping off, yep. and then yep. she just has like stubs. Yeah, but as much as she gets some great physical stuff, some laugh out loud moments from Mr. John Candy oh. as Wilbur the Albatross. John Candy, and I, I have no indication if he ad libs some of these lines or if they are scripted. But what a what a great performance from him as well. When he opened after after they turned the radio off and he stopped singing, mm-hmm. and you could hear John Candy talk. Hey, shut off the music. I. I'm not gonna lie. There was a part of there was a part of me inside that got all warm and tingly. Like because it's just like, oh, it's John Candy, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. because I'd never seen this, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I consider myself not a John Candy aficionado, mm-hmm. but I've seen 
most things he's in, and I know most things. So I, I've, I know John Candy's performances. I know Home Alone. I know Uncle Buck. I know Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm-hmm. I know, um, well, obviously he's in the Blues Brothers. Like I know, <laughs> I know his. Oh, I'm movies. sorry. Uh, the moose t- should have told you out front. Wally World's closed. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, folks. Park closed. Moose out front should have told you. There you go. I, uh, <laughs> I know my John Candy, but to hear him delivering lines that I have never heard before in my life. It was actually kind of a nice little present to me. He's got some great oh, lines in this. Fast so one-liners. So that, uh, Orville from the first one, though he's got that classic voice. You know, he's a classic voice actor for Orville, but, man, John Candy blows Wilbur yes. away. So it's it's funny because Joanna has all these great physical moments. John Candy has a lot of the great dialogue <laughs> in this like uh, when he's when he's being tortured by the the hospital mice, yep. he's like just like no 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 don't do this thing. I'm fine I'm fine I'm like oh my god I have been skewered. <laughs> he is another one that I like to think just had a blast doing it when oh, he's he like sounded. yeah well, like they told him like hey we're you know you want we want you to do a, a voice in this Disney movie mm-hmm. he was probably all over around. He was like, yes, sweet. Let's have fun. Let's do it. I can't imagine there are too many people out there that voicing a Disney character isn't a dream come true. Exactly. So, let's see what else uh, Joanna talked about. Uh, Let's talk about Merhute, the the MacGuffin of the movie. So, the the Golden Eagle. I don't know how you felt about the animation, but legendary Glenn Keane was responsible for the animation on Merhute. Even going so far as... Katzenberg tried to convince him, another cat, little Katzenberg and mm-hmm. to he tried to convince him to let them digitally create Merhute. Because there, there's too many feathers on her. It's, it'll just be too much work. And Glenn Keane said, no, I'm going to do this with my animation team. You let me do this. And he did it. And so he got uh, the... the um, Glenn, um, he, they were animating out of Glendale. So the Los Angeles historical uh, animal... Uh, Museum gave him eagles for his office. He went out and studied eagles. He went out of his way to watch these things live and breathe and move and to, to create Merhute. And you can definitely tell yeah. you, by watching it. For for a character, and this is a question I, we're going to come back to mm-hmm. about some animals talk and some don't. <laughs> we're coming back to that. Yeah, I yeah. wrote that down as, as a discussion. But for an animal that does not speak and does not actually talk, you know, outside of normal bird animal noises, yeah. it it conveyed so much emotion mm-hmm. in just like the little ticks of its head, and like what which as you watch, you're going, well, yeah, that's a bird. Like yeah. that's I could, yeah, that's what birds do. But they were the right ticks mm-hmm. that they actually worked as responses to what Cody was asking or what to the other characters were actually saying and doing, and it was so well animated, so well done. Oh. Yeah, it's absolutely a, gorgeous. Glenn Keane, man, he's 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 a master of of animation, and you see that through the through the, if, if those who've been listening, I pointed out some of the major accomplishments, uh, the major uh, things he's done, such as the bear fights uh, um, last week for uh, Ariel. He's he really wanted to do her hair, like that was his like, let me do this, please, let mm-hmm. me do part of your world, let me animate this thing. <laughs> and Marahute, it's and he's he's not a young guy at this point, like he's he's a veteran of animation, and he rolled with the punches into this new era really well. Yeah. And that was TC's Katzenberg moment. <laughs> I don't think I, I have any... Oh, there was a little co- controversy uh, with this movie <laughs> in that at some point during development, someone did suggest that maybe they should have an aboriginal as the main character instead of a little blonde boy from America. Ah. And Katzenberg said no. He said, 
and it was it was in a set not in so many words we'll be able to sell this to an american audience if it's a little american blonde boy as uh. opposed to a little aboriginal boy and then when the movie didn't do well he pulled all the marketing for it which is what a son of a Yes. <laughs> now, in all fairness, this came out in 1990, and it came out in the fall, and a few weeks later, Home Alone came out, which... That made all the money. Obviously took all the cash. <laughs> Ironically, also, with John Candy. Yes. Um, so I think we... A live-action John Candy makes more than an animated John Candy. Apparently, yeah. even though a animated John Candy has a lot better one-liners than a live-action John Candy does, <laughs> when comparing it to Home Alone... Yes, the story he tells about taking his kid to the funeral home. Yes, or leaving right, his kid to the right, funeral home. Right. We're on a tangent. But <laughs> I'm just, for the record, because no, I know John Candy. You'll finally get tweets. Hey, John Candy is a legend of <laughs> he film. He <laughs> is a national uh, treasure. treasure. <laughs> I was going to say idol, and I'm like, that's no, not the he's term. He's an American idol. He's an American. No, he's not. He's Canadian. He is Canadian. <laughs> so it was interesting that they would, that Ketzenberg wouldn't be interested in doing something that shouldn't seem like a far stretch, but as progressive as casting a, an Aboriginal, an Australian native, mm-hmm. someone of, of of Aboriginal descent as the main character, as was pitched to him. Right. But they did have, I don't know if this is necessarily an, an environmental film, but it's about poaching. It's about poaching. Well, and then, I mean, McLeish's vehicle that he travels around in was destroying swaths of forest yeah. when he went out there to uh, open up the, 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 the trap that mm-hmm. he had set, that Cody gets trapped in originally, mm-hmm. which I just had flashbacks to Fern Gully is what I was thinking <laughs> yes, of, you yeah. know? That's just, it's just like, no, it's Fern Gully. They're, just, they're <laughs> destroying the rainforest. Like, that's where my head went, <laughs> which I understand. This is that very much so. It's very, it was, it was that frame, that time frame, which I know it's still an important message it's diff- today. It's different now, it, in, it, we're talking the Captain Planet era here, yep. right? This is when going green and Earth Day was, and recycling was becoming a thing. Right. And hadn't had the backlash that it has now. Right, right. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not trying to get political in how people feel about it, the environments, but it is clearly a hot button issue now. Right. It wasn't in the past. Right. <laughs> it just became something that people decided they were going to fight about instead of all agreeing, oh, yeah, killing endangered species is a bad thing. Oh, my God. You know, I don't see any, I don't know what's wrong. McLeach was just out there, you know, he was just his God-given right to kill the animals. I mean, I mean, if they can't defend themselves, then why, why are they alive? Yeah, if animals were meant to be able to stop hunters, they'd be born with guns. Yeah. <laughs> they would also be bearing arms of bears. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? You know what? Because you just offered up that pun, mm-hmm. I want you to set me up for a pun. Okay. There was another voice actor in here. You looked him up while he came, while his voice appeared. Oh yes, yes, Go ahead yes. And tell the audience who that. Voice uh, actor so was. that other voice actor was the uh, uh, was it was it the one that was it the one that I, I went? Oh yeah 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 I know him from uh, the other movies. Nope. The was co- it? it was the koala. Oh oh oh! It was oh I'm so sorry. It was uh, so it was, is, when when Cody is captured with all the yes. other animals. Frank the lizard. That's right. A kangaroo. There's a platypus. There's a koala in there. I looked up two of them. So this okay. was Douglas Seal. Who's that? It was the guy who, if you guys may not know, is also the Sultan in Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Uh, also is the is the is the um, uh, was Santa Claus in Ernest Saves Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's done he's done a lot of stuff. What, what are you trying to set me up for? Where am I, I trying to go? I I could have sworn. Now you know. Now I got to look something up. <laughs> Before I set the, I set myself up for disappointment here, but I'm just going to quickly look real quick. So uh, uh, another point of conversation, Jeff. What, yes. what other notes do you have? Well, 
This is like an utter failure of comedy. This is like the worst gag ever. <laughs> I don't know. I think I love it. Holy it's fantastic. Yeah, you know what? I, We've gone I, 28 I, episodes. You, you bare arms, and I'm like, I'm going to give them the silent beats. For the gag there, <laughs> you get that. Now set me up for a good pun. Hold on, a minute. I got to do some research <laughs> on the pun here. Unbelievable. This pun will continue in next week's episode, oh, halfway through Beauty and the Beast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there is one thing uh, I, I do want. I do want to discuss, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, um, and it's it, it's 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 weird. Okay, so we're in a world, and I don't remember. I think this was kind of the case as well, and this has come up in a couple other Disney movies uh, that we I watched yeah, yeah. about the whole animals talking. Mm-hmm. Okay, and why are there some animals that can talk and others cannot? For example, why can the giant bird not talk to Cody, but then Cody, but obviously Cody can talk to uh, Miss Bianca and Bernard, and can talk to Jake, and can talk to you know the kangaroo, and can talk to all the other animals that were in that room with him when he was under McLeach's care. Mm-hmm. Why is there a di- what, what is the rules about when what animals can and cannot talk? Is it a size thing? Is it because the bird was gigantic and then he no longer or she no longer was able to talk? What do you think that case is? Because it's bothered me. It, it does feel like that it's just what do, what need, who needs to talk in this scene and who doesn't. Like a convenience it, it's thing. It's a convenience thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could have cast a a female actress to do the voice of the bird. Mm-hmm. They could have gotten somebody. They could have gotten. Yeah. I don't know whom. But at the same but time, it wouldn't. It would not have been as effective if, if Marahute could speak. <laughs> if she opened her mouth and it was Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then we would need a song. Yes. Then it would happen. Then the, the entire movie would be a musical at yeah, that, that point. It is interesting when some characters can't like because or uh, Wilbur can talk. Wilbur He's can a talk. bird. Yeah. But none of the other birds can talk. Right. Hmm. Like like. I, I, I understand when it's like with Oliver and company where animals talked with animals, but right. still they even, they talked to the, they talked to the, the caregiver, the guy who was helping them, the the one that was, the, no, 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 they could they never talk to him. Yeah, yeah. So like, I understand that. Okay. If animals talk within themselves, but don't talk to humans, 101 Dalmatians is like that. Yeah. Completely understand. But when you have animals who can talk to humans, but then some animals do not talk. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's inconsistent because it couldn't if it was just the rodents talking to the rodents, sure. Right. But you have someone like Wilbur who can talk, but Merhute who can't. The the snake that Jake captures can't talk. Right. I mean, I guess this goes along the lines with like the same same ridiculous question as to why Pluto is a dog <laughs> and he doesn't talk and has to be a dog, but then Goofy is allowed to wander around this earth as a dog and he's Mickey's friends. Also, he never takes his gloves off and it's really weird. Also weird, yeah. yeah. So, are you ready for me to set you up for a pun? Uh, no, because oh. I would be wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is so stupid. I'm so sh- Was it Bernard <laughs> Fox? Because I looked up two of them. No, no, no. It, I, I thought... This is. I'm explaining. This is so dumb. No, that's fine. That's okay, good. let's pretend in this fantasy world yes. that Desmond Llewellyn was the voice of the koala oh, bear. Oh, okay. okay. So now you tell me in this fantasy world okay. that Desmond Llewellyn was the koala bear. Go All ahead, right. Jeff. Jeff. All right. Jeff, so, Jeff, so Jeff, set me up. So set TC. Up. Yeah. The koala bear was yeah. voiced by Desmond Llewellyn. Desmond Llewellyn. Yes. I think you mean a koala. Oh my god. <laughs> That silence was a legitimate <laughs> stunned silence. I don't. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> um, uh, so if you've listened through the whole episode, <laughs> hashtag Qala. Q. Q. The letter Q. Oala. Oala. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I will be here all week. <laughs> Next week, TC will not be here. Uh, oh, man, I'm such an, <laughs> I'm so stupid. No, that's fine. It's perfectly okay. So, well, you know what we're going to do then, TC? Um, since I feel like we are nearing our end of our notes a little bit, um, <laughs> let me do, let me let, I'll let you look through your notes. Let me do my tropes, and then if yeah, there's anything yeah. else you got, we'll we'll go. We'll, I, we'll got, get I, got, I got one more quick note. Okay, what's your all go. the movies we've oh, watched? Oh, so. you can't do that. It was the trope time. <laughs> okay, I was trying okay, to get the tropes. Okay, okay, okay. Trope it up. Trope it. Up. I'm just trying to make up. For <sighs> How ashamed I am. Kuala. <laughs> Kuala. If it had been Desmond Llewellyn, that would have killed. Oh, it would have killed. Jeff. It would have killed at every Bond comic or Bond Con. Bond Con. Which I don't think I'd want to go to Bond Con. I feel yeah, like yeah. that'd be a very dirty, dirty place. There's a lot of leather here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is. I don't think they understood what this was supposed to be about. All right, trope it up. Uh, so the Disney tropes. I actually have a couple of them for this week's, and there's a lot of the same ones we've hit. And you see, you saw me write down two of them because mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I made a large hand gesture. Yep. Uh, number one, single parent of the main protagonist, Cody's mom. <laughs> is she ever even on screen? She is on screen. Oh, when he delivers when he delivers the pack, but it's only from her mouth down. That was one thing I did not write down, but I should have. Be that the fact that the only human who has ever actually seen and you hear. You see and hear talk simultaneously because mm-hmm. you hear her mom, sh- his mom shout, yeah. but she's not on screen. And then you see her on screen, but she doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. Um, even the policeman that comes to the door to deliver the the, the bag, yeah. you never hear him talk, and he's only from the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting that that he, that McLeach was the only character, was the only human that you actually saw. Well, Cody and McLeach. Maco- yeah, but Cody adult, and McLeach. Adult, the, adult uh, yeah. you're saying, yeah. But like everybody else was just kind of kept as. Yeah, that could have been a, a, a deliberate choice of placing the whole film from a child's point of view. Right, because it was lower and from a distance when he's running away to go play or, well, to go save the mm-hmm. the animal in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. But, but yeah. Single mother. Single mother. Um, the villain has an animal sidekick. Joanna. <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> um, a protagonist. Well, I had this one written down. I'm actually going to take this one back. Because it didn't stick around, so never mind for that one. Um, as I'm reading it, I'm like, no, nope, never mind, forget that one. <laughs> so, so what, Jeff, you just did there is you saw something you wrote, yes. and you made the the wise decision to, to not, not even say it, as opposed to <laughs> seeing a note and deciding to commit to telling this joke. TC, set me up for this note. Let's set me up for this joke. <laughs> I, won, I, am I an, won this episode. TC, I am an editor, so this is what I do for a living. I edit my own stuff. All the time. Uh, so I'm going to skip that one. Mm-hmm. And yes, TC, you won this episode. Yes. Um, that'd, be, that'd be a fun thing to kind of maybe do in the future. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> so number three, a villain falls to his death. Yeah. Which I was... Oh, man. Okay. So spoilers for the end of the movie, I guess. Yeah. We're outside of the spoiler territory. It's okay. Uh, pulling back from the AFI, whether or not we can spoil a movie. if it's, But it's over 15 years. Isn't yeah. that the spoiler? I, I'd Whatever. like to think that anyone who's going to listen to these either... Has seen the movie or isn't going to rewatch right. it. Right. <laughs> also, I just spoiled the fact that McLeach dies. Okay, what? guys, oh, uh, come on. Ugh. Warning. <laughs> Anyhow, but um, so when he falls into the water, so so the alligator thing, and when he like when right before he falls over, I'm like, oh, okay, he's gonna get eaten by the alligators. So this is gonna be that the villain dies. Actually, I was happy because I'm like, oh, the villain's going to fall to his death and then be eaten by the alligators. So he's going <laughs> to fall to his death and be killed by his own like trap mm-hmm. much like the black cauldron much like you know a lot of the 
like oh, some of the villains we've had in the past where a thing Dave set up to kill the good guy is actually killed themselves. Backfired, yeah, yeah, backfired. I got really excited for a minute. I'm like, ooh, it's a double header. I'm going to get to see this guy mauled by Galligators. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. But then he just fell off the, the, the waterfall. Either way, I was still excited that a villain <laughs> fell to his death. Um, and then another one, which we've had happen a couple times, mm-hmm. a protagonist death fakeout. In the sense that Cody oh, yeah, goes over yeah. the waterfall, and it's that moment where, oh, did he die too? And then he's saved, or uh, it happened in, um, uh, oh man, what was the movie? Great, oh, Great, uh, Mouse, Detective. Great Mouse Detective. Yes. Yep, where it's like, oh no, did he actually die? Mm-hmm. Oh nope, he's alive. Like it's the whole, it's the whole protagonist death fake out, <laughs> uh, which I like that. Like that's that's actually kind of a fun trope. Uh, to, <laughs> just to say in my head, I like saying protagonist death fake out. So, but that was all my tropes for this week. Right, there was some recycled animation yep. in Wilbur's flight cycle. They or they used Orville's takeoff from the original Rescuers. Which, see, and that makes sense to me yeah. because they're supposed to be brothers. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, let's just quickly mention Orville and Wilbur, right? Correct. Yes, the, the, right the right brothers. Um, Clever. My original thought was that did they name Wilbur after Wilbur the pig from Green Acres as an in joke to Ava Gabor? Oh yeah. But then I'm like, oh no, no. The first birds was or no, it's the right brothers. Never mind. That's the joke <laughs> they went with. Um, which that makes sense. So if they're brothers, okay, they might have the same takeoff. Yeah, that's fine. So that's that was, an okay recycled animation. Yeah, some some good, but they. I even was expecting them to do, once he falls off the roof, to do the Goofy Elf, which they had done mm. in Rescuers, but instead he said Cowabunga. <laughs> <laughs> He's modern, and he also, yeah. little known fact, Wilbur watches Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hey, he was rocking out to those to, to that music. <laughs> it's very that. fitting for John Candy. That little subplot with him making him making him a much bigger supporting character mm-hmm. than Orville was in Rescuers. Give him the whole hospital with the with the evil looking doctor <laughs> and those little cute little nuns straight out of straight out of Cinderella. Yep. Heave ho, heave ho. Yep. <laughs> Very that was, sadistic. That was a fun little side story. Which didn't need to be in the movie. No. They no. really could have just that could have been entirely cut and it doesn't have any bearing on the plot except it was just more for John Candy and Wilbur to do. Which a part of me wonders if that was not something that kind of came out of like the audio recording. Like they, they had an idea for him, but they were having just so much fun. They're like, nope, let's just keep this going. Let's make this scene longer. Just keep it. Keep it going. Keep it going. Everyone's okay with John Candy. More John. More John, please. More candy. <laughs> all right. Well, I do have some. Hey, you know what? Of all the movies we've watched, ah, you did I, it again. I, I want to get. The, I threw it at you before. But <laughs> I know. Like we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves here. That's true. So I. I don't have any expectation of where you might put this. I certainly don't think it's going to be number one. It's and not number one. It's I very will... clear we were head over heels oh, in love Little with Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, I... I uh, do you have mine down there by chance? I, I don't have <laughs> okay. yours. <sorry>. I was <laughs> looking for mine. Do you want to look it up Let real quick? Let me look at mine. You, okay. do what, you, you, rank, you rank yours. All right, so I, I'm, I am placing this pretty much right in the middle. It's below middle here. I'm making it number six, just above... The original rescuers, and ah, you know what? From after our conversation, I think I'm going to make it my number five above Fox and the Hound. Oh, ah, it's a tough. It's tough. As anyone listening to this knows, as we go through our lists, we group these in ten and we rank them one through ten before we move on to the next section. And when we all are said and done, we'll have a head-to-head competition between all our number ones. Uh, currently, both Jeff and I have Little Mermaid as our number one. Um, now, I'll, but I'll, only for so long, I'm, TC. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to putting it at number six. Number six, yeah. Do a number above, six above uh, Rescuers, Oliver and Company, and Black Cauldron. Just in in that's 
Fox and the Hound has just a, is a little more special because of how heartbreaking of a film it is. Grey Mouse Detective, Robin Hood, Pooh, Little Mermaid, all those are, are more fun movies. Uh, they, they've they stood the test of time really nicely. I think, as you've heard, we have a lot of nice to say about Rescuers Down Under, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily feel like I would return to this one very quickly. This isn't one that is resonating with me like these uh, the ones above it have. So I'm going to put it at number six with... Uh, Minor hesitation. <laughs> you literally just made me change my score. Oh, oh man! Um, it, what seriously? It, no, no, no! It just it, it it just it dropped one number. Okay, okay. You saying it it doesn't res it doesn't resonate with you as much as the other ones. Yeah. made me adjust my number. Um, for me, it's not number one. It definitely was not number one. I was going to say number two. Really? I was going to put it above, and it's it's. John Candy. Yeah, uh, it's flat out. It is. It is Wilbur's the character of Wilbur. Joanna and and, and Joanna are definitely why I hesitated to put it where yep. I put it. And I really enjoyed listening to George C. Scott just oh, give man. it himself. Can I move mine? Can nah! I make my number five? It's too late. I've committed. I've committed. <laughs> Do you want to make it number five? I'm gonna make it number five. Okay, everybody. You're making it number five. <laughs> the episode's not done yet. The rule is, is that we can't go back and change it after, after the episode. The that's that's I've, that's the rule. I, I've never hemmed and hawed that much, but. It, I've never changed rank before. I've committed to rank. Yep. So I'm I'm gonna bump it up number five. Number you're five. Right. Those the, three things. After that's all it. the praise of those three, how could I not? I mean, Fox and the Hound does have this heartbreaking, beautiful story, but when it comes down to it, the characters are so much more memorable. Right. In in Rescuers Down Under here. So please continue. It's I, funny that my my reasoning for why it's gonna be where it's at has nothing to do with the actual rescuers characters. <laughs> well, it's the side characters it, that are in the villain that just makes it yeah. fun. And the beautiful animation. I mean it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. For me it is number three. Okay. So below So Little below Little Mermaid and then the Fox and the Hound. Fox, okay. Like I said it was number two. I had put it above Fox and the Hound. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew it was not number one. Like I loved it. It was fun to watch. I knew it was not. It's not going to be Little Mermaid. I'm sorry. I Little mean, Mermaid is brilliant. There's no goosebumps head. In this no. One. Plus there's no songs. <laughs> <laughs> but if we could have gotten the poacher song from McLeach and then a incoherent um, song from his sidekick. You know what? If this movie had made, been made just after The Lion King, yep. they would have hired Colin Hay to do the entire soundtrack. Oh, yeah. It would have been a musical. <laughs> it would have absolutely... Oh, man, that would have been brilliant. Um, no, I, I putting, I'm putting it at number three because... I don't have I don't have that strong of connection with like Winnie the Pooh. I loved Winnie the Pooh. It was a fantastic movie. I loved mm-hmm. it. And The Great Mouse Detective was a lot of fun. Was very enjoyable. I loved what they did as a, as a Sherlock Holmes story. It was great. It was fun. Uh, and Vincent Price was just brilliant <laughs> in that movie as as the villain is. But for me, The Fox and the Hound is still. I would go back to it because yeah. it's just such a moving film for me. And, and obviously, like I said, Little Mermaid's whatever. But but with, but with uh, you know, Little Mermaid, whatever. whatever. It's fine. Won't be number one next week. I thought you was going to spoil. What? Um, <laughs> I have not raised you about that in like six episodes. I know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just getting them all in now. But yeah, the, the, the performances, like I would, I would put this, unfortunately, I'd put this movie on just to watch the John Candies and the uh, Joanna. Joanna scene. Mm-hmm. That, I, that's all I would I'd be like. Nope, I just want those scenes. Thank you. <laughs> I'll make a cut of it that's just them. Well, I do have uh, a tweet from our, a listener. Ooh. Is that all you had to say? That's all I had to say. Yeah, yeah I don't know. You I gave me a great segue. Number three. So I was going to so. jump on it. So. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so if you'd like to tweet at us, you can tweet at me at TC's Big Head. You can tweet at Jeff at Random Bell. If you got a question for us or a comment that you want us to mention up on the pod, uh, on the episode, we're happy to do it. Uh, also, you can hit up Facebook.com slash Top Shelf Pod where we post our episodes before we record. We did not post our Rescuers Down Under before recording today mm-hmm. because I didn't want to step on Colin and Lindsay's toes because right. yep. they had just released uh, their new episode of Top Shelf Oscars Best Picture Showcase, which their most recent one was King's Speech. Was King's Speech, yep. If I may quick do a little... little uh, was King's Speech or was it Social Network? Oh, no, no, it was King's Speech. King's no, Speech. Right, never mind. Yep. Which is what I was going to say. Yep. It should have been Social Network yep. or Black Swan. I'm pretty sure Lindsay would agree with you that it yes. should have been Social Network as well. So check, <laughs> check out their episode if you guys want to hear uh, Lindsay Callen discuss the continued Best uh, best Picture Oscar winners. Yep. So, um, but yeah, we're actually recording our episodes a day earlier than normal mm-hmm. just because schedules are working better right now for that. I'll, so thank I, you for doing that. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look for everyone's comments on the episode when we post it. So. Mm-hmm. All right, but I do have a comment here. It's actually a tweet from this, some someone who tweeted last week, uh, oh. uh, which is Ledger. Ledger had tweeted at us who if he, he thought Sebastian was hands down the best sidekick character. He okay. tweets today, "Is Joanna the best villain sidekick so far?" Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent, hands you down. To, you didn't have to think about no. it. No, but, but if you want a quick reminder of some of the other villain oh, yes. sidekicks, we've tell had. me the other ones, and then I will continue to make my decision. <laughs> so just just a quick shorthand here of, of other sidekick villains we've had. Uh, last week we had uh, Flatsman Jetsam from Ursula. Uh, oh, uh, that's why you were looking those up. Yep, okay, yep. Pit uh, the pit bulls from Oliver and Company. The the bats from uh, uh, Great Mouse Detective. Oh, Medusa's yeah. Crocs. Hiss from Robin Hood. Uh, oh yeah, Prince Johns, uh, uh, Horace and Jasper from One Hundred One Dalmatians, or uh, Cruella Deville sidekicks. Uh, Male- Maleficent had her crow. The Siamese cats from Lady and the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. And Shmee from Captain uh, uh, Captain Hook's sidekick. Yep. And and uh, another great Lucifer from Cinderella. Oh yeah. Yeah. But though I do think Lucifer and Shmee uh, Shmee are. Really good. They're really good Those villains or villain sidekicks. Yeah. Would be the best if not for Joanna because they animated the hell out of her. Oh my they gosh. gave her so much without a line of dialogue. Yeah, and it was it was crazy because I mean at first when I when I, she came in I was just like oh okay it's animal just sidekick. it's an animal sidekick and that's why I wrote it down mm-hmm. and I'm, I just I kind of expected it to be a sidekick along the lines of a lot of the animal sidekicks we've seen where they're just more just like the like the pit bulls or whatever they're just they're animals it's just an animal and I didn't expect her to be a goofy funny sidekick so much personality yeah i did not see that coming at all and but it was a pleasant surprise and i was very happy that they did go that direction with her Mm -hmm. but yeah hands down she's she's the best i man alive there you go oh man alive (laughs) is she the best sidekick? i'm I'm interested to see as we go further because i've already got there's already another one the pizza i mean iago into yeah iago (laughs) in my head just because i'm sorry it's gilbert godfrey and the oh. <laughs> so now this is interesting because we we didn't have any magic users recently. We've had we've had our wizards duel updated with Ursula. That's and, Tr- oh, yeah. and Triton have I updated the wizards duel for that uh, without much commentary about it because I'm saving it for a couple more magic users down oh, yeah. the road. Yeah, because we have a couple more com- after the next yeah. after the next one. We have more. If the Renaissance can be credited for anything. If I mean, there's a lot it can be credited for. I think it's the, the some of the best sidekick characters. Yeah. In the Disney Pantheon. Yep. Uh, like, I j- just listing off some of the bad guy sidekicks with, like, Shmi, with Lucifer. They're great. 
Tinkerbell's great. It's like, there's some great sidekick characters, but Joanna here, surprisingly, like, really stands out. Wilbur even being a sidekick character yeah. as well. But yeah, Apu, uh, uh, um, uh, Iago. Iago is um, fantastic. Yeah. And it, I, I, I get a little, I get a little uncertain we go a little further because like i said that's when we start getting back out of the movies we are i i will point out when it happens because i won't forget (laughs) Mm -hmm. we reach maximum problem (laughs) maximum (laughs) uh, capacity on sidekicks in a movie down the road yeah which i have which i'm ashamed like of disney for doing hercules nope okay we'll get there and i will point out that they failed on every level (laughs) because yeah Fantastic. I'm excited for that. I enjoy that we'd plug future episodes of this show. That's all the tweets I have this week. It was just the one from Ledger. So thank you, Ledger, for for tweeting at us again. Sweet. Uh, And that's all the notes I have as well. Awesome. Well, there is one quick, there's one thing uh, slightly in development right now. I'm actually, I'm actively trying to get our podcast on Spotify. Oh, Spotify started doing podcasts like a little while ago and they secretly opened up submissions. Oh, You have to know where to go in order to do it. Uh, I was able to track it down and I did submit. I submitted this show, I, I, which is what I do for all of them. I submit this one first as a test, and if this one works, then I will submit everybody else's. So cool. if this one works, I'll get it up. I'll get the Oscars one up there, and I'll actually I'll try to get AFI up there as oh, well. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's 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 in the works. Otherwise, right now we are still on Stitcher, we're still on iTunes, and we're still on Google Play. Mm-hmm. So you can find us any of those locations if you have been to have stumbled across this. <laughs> somewhere else i mean there's we're on the ghost app website obviously and all those get posted on facebook and there's there's so we're, many places you can find it yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and thank you for those who've been liking and sharing this yes. as well so i we i've gotten some new comments from people on twitter and and a couple of private messages that i'm like oh i don't know who this person is they're listening <laughs> yay we have listeners also thanks to david for you guys playing you guys played the jungle yes, book I, so jungle book was last week yep uh, so the quick plug for some additional bonus content if you didn't get enough of hearing my dulcet tones this week we hadn't talked about the jungle book so yeah. since you did it that's why i wanted to bring it up now so so uh, i've been doing some guest appearances on the technophiles podcast network uh, hosted by david geisler mm-hmm. they're in between seasons right now and we did some let's plays of animated disney movie super nintendo games mm-hmm. and game boy games so this week if you want to take a look at episode three we went to we did little mermaid Oh, so were these uh, all the games that were released like the same time? Are they, they, are they all kind of like that same? Yeah, the the uh, Little Mermaid. Uh, the, some of these games, if you listen to the episode, you'll hear how the overlap happened on mm-hmm. some of them. So this week is Little Mermaid. From this point on, for the next three episodes, the game we play ties into the movie we watch. Fantastic, so, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Aladdin and Lion King. So, I wanted to thank David for commenting on the album artwork for the for the show because he said it really stands <laughs> out on iTunes, and I went. Exactly. That's there. why we do it. <laughs> I wanted it just to be Disney top shelf. Yeah. So check, check out the Technophiles. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them online. Uh, David Geyser from Technophiles is a great friend of ours and makes some incredible content. Yeah. So plug for him there. Thanks for them. Yeah. Um, but next week we have reached movie number ten yep. of the third. Ten, third decade, third, no, third, third, third. Uh, third I'm broken, Jeff. I'm broken. Third, ten. We're se- hitting number thirty. Kuala. Kuala. Oh, oh, so good, so good. Hashtag a Kuala. No, so we're reaching the the, the third set of ten movies mm-hmm. in our movie bracket. I guess that we're, yeah. we've got being made here. So we're, what are we watching? So next week we are watching. Guys, it's finally here. I can see his heart just fluttering oh, through his chest right now. Just, I'm gonna sing. The entire time next week. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Whereas, but yeah, next week we are watching the 1991. I don't even have to look it up. I yep. know it. The 1991 
movie, Beauty and the Beast, which there, may or may not be my favorite movie. I, 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 I think it's fair to say that the listeners should strap in for a longer episode. Yes. Because we're going to have quite a bit to say about Beauty and the Beast, oh, but yeah. we're also hitting our 10 mark, so yep. we will be discussing the whole library of films. Now, granted, we do discuss as we rank them. We hem and haw about it, so it might not be that much more lengthy of a conversation, but because we're wrapping it up, we will kind of have a little uh, recap of the 10. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Jeff, when, maybe I'll be able to watch it with you again. I'm not sure exactly what my That's travel true. plans hold for me, so I may be singing the whole movie with you <laughs> as well. Unless you don't want me to be here so you can sing. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All right. All right. What is that going to stop me? I'll just start saying, <laughs> little town full of little people. I'll just do it now. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, everybody. <laughs> do you want to wrap this up? Yes, I'll wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for taking a listen. TC, thanks for being here yet again for another episode. We are halfway through this list. We have 28 more to go, which is insane, considering we're in the early 90s. We have 28 more movies to do. It's that movie a year situation that really speeds up and slows down. Hoy. But uh, thank you again for being back here. Everybody, thank you for listening. Definitely continue to leave comments and subscribe and tell your friends and share. We love all that stuff. And (laughs) and, uh, so this is Jeff saying goodbye, TC. Do the Uh, sign-off. This is a sign-off. You you call this a sign-off. This is a sign-off. Oh, yeah, that one's okay. I like that one. (laughs) There's the music. There's the music. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at (laughs) www.ghosthat.net. I like the ending.